This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Has there ever been a time in your life when you feel that things haven't gone exactly right? When you honestly have wished that God would just break through and give you some spectacular evidence that He's working in your situation? Have you ever thought, you know, if, if only God would reveal Himself to me as He did to people in the Bible? Oh, how wonderful. If there could be such for us, as there was for people in ancient times, maybe some dramatic sign or vision. Well, our problem is compounded when we look around us and see so many who obviously give little or no thought to God or to His church, and yet they seem to prosper and do well. While we who are really trying to live the Christian life seem to be the ones who have all the troubles. All about us we hear voices of those who are ridiculing things of, that, that we've all held sacred in all of our lives. And yet God doesn't seem to care, does He? Or at least He doesn't step in and punish immediately those who scorn Him and His way. Some time ago, I heard on the radio a person who said, in effect, Today is a day in which we need people who love the flag, who stand firmly behind our country in patriotism, who believe strongly in the principles on which our country was founded, who have a love for America. When someone today speaks of the principles of love, justice, and kindness, there are those who say that this is outmoded. I say that this is the only hope for our country. Give me more people like this, people who are not ashamed to be old-fashioned in their integrity. Now, those words may sound as if they may have come from some preacher. But actually, those words came not from a preacher, but from rather from the lips of one of our politicians. We don't usually think that we hear that kind of thing from politicians, do we? Well, those are words perhaps you can agree with. Why don't we have more people who are not ashamed to speak up for righteousness, for integrity? Maybe we're all too much like the little boy who went one day to a birthday party of a friend of his. When he returned home, his mother asked him, Son, did you thank the lady at the other house for inviting you to her son's birthday party? The little boy explained, Mama, I started to thank her, but the boy in front of me thanked her, and she said, Oh, don't mention it. And so when I left, I didn't mention it. <laughs> well, maybe one reason why we don't mention it when we should speak up for righteousness is because we're so surrounded by forces and conditions that would almost overpower and overwhelm us. Just how can one be a practicing, victorious Christian in spite of all the adverse circumstances in which we live these days? Perhaps before we can answer that question, we need to take a step backward, make an observation or two about what is involved in being a Christian. First statement I want to make is this. The secret of being a Christian does not lie in the circumstances, 
but rather within the person. Someone has said, life develops from within. By the indwelling of the Spirit of God in the life of one who has opened the door of their heart and allowed the Lord Jesus to take over, a person can be a Christian even in the midst of bad circumstances. The real question is not, what are the circumstances surrounding me? But the real question is rather, what is within me? There was once an officer in the Roman army who became panic-stricken and cried out, We have fallen into the midst of our enemies. Another soldier came up to him and said, Why don't you say, Our enemies have fallen into the midst of us? To one person, the circumstances in the world might show disaster and defeat. But to another, they will give a challenge to live the true Christian life. John in the Bible said, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, if it be true that the secret of being a Christian does not lie in the outward circumstances, but rather within the person, then there's a second truth which logically follows, and it is this. Failure cannot be blamed on the circumstances, but rather on a moral breakdown within. Can you think of just one example in the Bible when Jesus said, this person needs to be excused from his failure. He had a bad environment. Oh no. A person may be surrounded by all sorts of trouble, temptations, things that might lure him away, but he has not failed until he has failed within. Sometimes it may even seem in the eyes of the world that a person has failed in some respect, but it still holds true that there's no real failure until a person has failed within in some way. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He gained favor with the man whom the Pharaoh had put in the position of captain of the guard, a man named Potiphar. Joseph was also looked upon with favor by Potiphar's wife, or someone called her Mrs. Potiphar. <laughs> it was rather in a different sense that she looked on him with favor. She tried to lure Joseph into committing adultery with her. And although Joseph eventually had to go to prison for his refusal to yield to her wishes, as she told a lie on him, yet Joseph remained strong within. And he said to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He refused to yield to Potiphar's wife. You can see about this in Genesis 39, the ninth verse. Another good example is Daniel. You remember him from the Old Testament. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. He had made a religious vow to eat or drink only certain things. And to accept what the king offered would mean a betrayal of his promises to God. Daniel's inner strength held true, and he found himself in even worse circumstances, in a den of lions. But still, 
he remained true. From the world's point of view, it was seen that Daniel and Joseph were both losers. They ended up in jail or in a bad place, but they still held true to their purpose and they had no need, no need to blame the circumstances since their moral strength within was firm. Now let's look at the other side of the coin. We might look at the other side of the picture and see quite a few people who paid a high price for one indulgent moment. For all these, there was a failure within. And as I go through this leaf list very briefly, think to yourself, ask the question, do you reckon they got their money's worth for one small moment of pleasure? First, Adam and Eve. For one bit of forbidden fruit, they brought sin, suffering, shame, as well as death upon themselves and on the whole human race. Genesis chapter 3. Lot's wife, revealing her longing for the things of this earth, took one backward look toward Sodom and became a pillar of salt. Genesis 19. Esau, to satisfy one day's fleshly appetite, lightly esteemed his birthright, practically gave it away, and forfeited his right to be in the line of ancestry of Jesus Christ. Genesis 25. Achan, for a moment, uh, a garment which he could not wear, silver and gold which he could not spend, paid with all his possessions, his family, and his life. That story is found in Joshua 7. 7. It's a little known story. I'd like to read that, Joshua chapter 7. Another person, Samson, for the affection of a crafty woman, he lost his hair, lost his strength, lost his eyes, finally lost his life. Judges chapter 16. David, in his lustful desire for another man's wife, left for posterity a sordid story of his life, adultery, shame, tears, and eventually murder, boldly written for everybody to read, although he thought at first that his sin was in secret. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Ahab, in his greedy desire to have another man's vineyard, allowed his wife to have the owner killed, claimed it for his own, and heard his own funeral preached in these words, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine. 1 Kings chapter 21. For all these folks, for an indulgent moment, they all yielded to sin desire. Their failure first came as a moral breakdown within. And then it found expression in what they did. None of these biblical examples could rightly say, well, my failure was due to circumstances I found myself in. Oh no, the failure came first within the heart, not in the circumstances. I want to make one third observation. It is this, living the Christian life is not always an easy thing to do, especially under some circumstances. 
Sometimes it is quite difficult to hold true to what you know is the way of Christ. You remember what Jesus told his disciples when he sent them forth on their mission? You can find that in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 22. In another place, Jesus said to his followers, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That's Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Yes, it is often quite difficult to live a consistent Christian life at school, at work, in the home. It's likewise hard for a church to live always by the pattern of Christ. The temptation is always present for any church simply to blend in with society in which it's found. But the test of God's will is not do we blend in with our society to the extent there's no difference or no friction. No, the real test is rather, Lord, show us your will and we'll follow regardless of the consequences to self or to our church. Then when we follow God's will as a church or as an individual, there are two inevitable results that can be expected. First, immediate persecution. Jesus said, in the world ye shall have tribulation. But second, God's richest blessings in the long run. Jesus continued to say, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Here again, the words of John from Scripture. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. Yes, you can be a Christian and practice the ways of Jesus in your life, even in spite of the circumstances in which you find yourself. You may have the opportunity today, very soon, this week maybe, to show that you're a Christian, not just in name, but in and through your actions. We do not know when that test may come, or perhaps I should say that opportunity might come. When it comes to you, don't miss your chance. When I was attending the seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, I worked at a number of different jobs. I did yard work, I worked in the cafeteria. On Kentucky Derby weekends, I worked in the kitchen at one of the downtown hotels. I did all sorts of work to make a little money, maybe to keep from studying so much too. <laughs> On one of the most enjoyable jobs I had though, uh, was serving as an usher at concerts given by the Louisville Symphony. After we got everybody seated, the concert had begun for a while, we were allowed to go in and find a seat for ourselves and hear the remainder of the concert. I remember one night after the intermission, I was way back in the top of the balcony. The symphony was playing this certain number. I don't remember what the name of the composition was, but as they continued to play, I noticed one man seated on the stage at the back of the orchestra, but he seemed 
not to be contributing very much to the music. In fact, he just sat back there in his chair, seeming to enjoy the soft, soothing music the others were producing. But as the music continued, there was a gradual building in volume and the tempo and the intensity of the music. You could almost feel it as the orchestra built to a grand climax. I was so caught up in the emotion of the music until I barely noticed this man who had been sitting back there at the back of the orchestra, apparently getting paid for doing nothing. And then just at the point of the peak of the music, when I had a desire down within me somewhere to, to shout or to stand up and clap my hands or do something, this man picked up two round brass looking things that seemed to me to be about four or five feet in diameter. And just at the highest point of the music, this man clashed those cymbals together and held them out for the full sound to blend in with all the other music. Nothing else would have been sufficient. As far as I was concerned, if that man hadn't done anything else that night, he earned his money. His time came and he did his job beautifully. We don't know when our time is going to come to demonstrate to those around us what it means for us to be a Christian. It may be in the very worst of circumstances. It may be in the most unlikely place. It may be when we least expect our moment to come. Don't miss your chance. God stands waiting and ready to move into any life that will surrender itself to Him. God never commits Himself to triflers, to those who would have their God as a servant or their religion as a convenience. But when we admit the emptiness of life without Him, when we confess our need and the failure of our very best resolutions and resolves, then even as Christ has promised, He comes flooding into our drab lives, bringing power and beauty and meaning. Would you join me in a brief prayer? Oh God, we pray that the beauty of Jesus may be seen in our lives. We don't know when that's going to happen, when we'll have our privilege, our opportunity to be a witness for Jesus, not only in our words, but in our actions. Lord, help us to show those around us that we have met Jesus and our lives have been enriched, our lives have been enhanced, our lives have been saved by His wonderful power.